You are listening to WHOA Podcast, coming to you from Gainesville, Florida. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the WHOA GNV Podcast, the podcast bringing you businesses and individuals that make you go, whoa. Today on the show, we have the founder and CEO of Hippo, Stephen Dimari. Welcome, man. How are you? I'm doing great. It's great to be here. <laughs> Excellent. Super psyched to have you. And with him, we have Kyle Whalen, who is in charge of Hippo's pop production, baby. I love it. <laughs> so, it's a Kyle, sweet gig. How you doing, man? <laughs> Doing well. Doing good. We're super, super pumped to have you guys. Um, We want to dig into your stories a little bit in just a second. But of course, I got to check in with Ty. This is going out on Thanksgiving this coming week. Is there anything else going on, my man? What's, What's up? Uh, I'm actually staying in Gainesville this week for the first time. And You're like the only one, my man. I know. <laughs> You're the it's only weird. one. But uh, we've got Florida State on Saturday, so I'll be making the trip. Part of the reason we're staying is so we make the trip up to Tallahassee. So, so you're going? Yeah, you're going, going to the game? Yeah. What? Yeah, a lot of fun. All right, man. Well, bring yeah, back a I'm hyped. Win. We got Hippo here and Wyatt's, and I'm excited to learn a little bit more. I've uh, frequented the locations for a long time. So yeah. excited to do uh, have these guys here. Cool. And just a one more reminder for everybody, yeah. if you tuned into the last episode, we're going to be doing our own WHOA GNV holiday party, if you will, yeah. where we're going to be giving away tons and tons and tons and tons yeah. of Krispy Kreme donuts. At least donuts. 300, maybe. Maybe yeah. 1,000. It's going to be a nice. lot. It's going to be a lot. Dang. It's going to be a lot. So we're going to be at Krispy Kreme on December 4th at 10 a.m. 10 a.m. And you and I are going to be there working. You're going to be dressed as out. a pirate. I will not be. <laughs> I don't know about that. I haven't, I haven't decided. Like, I'm trying to figure out what's going to happen there. But we will definitely be handing out free donuts to yeah. anybody who wants one. Do you think we can get some of those wild inflatable arm guys over there for us? I don't know. Let's do it. You do it. Jeff? Don't you have the connection? We have, we have <laughs> one. one. We have connection? Yeah, yeah. We have one. All right. So we're adding hippo to our, <laughs> having, our pop-up. I don't know. It's going to be a pop- have no idea, crazy but, pop-up. Yeah. yeah. It's 20 feet tall. Perfect. That's a bit cool. obtuse, but he rules. <laughs> That's what we're looking for. Cool, man. Well, guys, thanks again for being here. Super pumped to have you. The first thing that we like to do is get into the origin stories. We like to go way back. Like way back, like bring us to the point, like what what led to the creation of Hippo and where you guys are at today. Give us the story, man. So yeah. Um, this is Steven, by the way, so Steven. This is Steven, and Hippo started in 2010, and it was um, actually um, born of a failed coffee shop dream um, in a, a lot of ways, but um, yeah, I um, so I went to UF and came out in 2009, and the recession was in, Full, full swing, and so um, a bunch of my friends were just staying in school, and um, I was trying to figure out what to do. I was unemployed, and took a job out in um, Big Sky, Montana, making minimum wage at a hotel, and it was really great, but uh, the whole time I was out there, I was scheming. I've been planning to do this coffee shop for years. I'm a coffee fanatic, uh, and just really wanted to build an amazing third wave coffee shop. Uh, back in like 2009 and 2010. I've been working on this idea for years. Um, and uh, so I was saving up money for that. And then while I was in Montana, I took a flight home for a friend's wedding. And on the flight, I sat next to a stranger and I'm kind of doing my elevator pitch on how great my coffee shop is gonna be. And she was like, hey, you're in Florida, it's so hot there. You should make something like 
refreshing like popsicles and I was like I don't you know that really doesn't fit my like idea for my coffee shop that's like you know it's, it's gonna be kind of cool and this is kind of a kid thing <laughs> like, popsicles are for kids yeah and so I totally rejected it she's like no 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 like in the Mexican style like the paletas you know fresh fruit herbs you know you can make them really authentic and I was like yeah, okay yeah that that could be fun and the more I thought about it, I was like, that would be really fun, actually. We could do all kinds of things. So on this plane ride, yeah. this woman just, like, shoots down your coffee idea is, like, going to do popsicles instead. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> and, and by the time the plane landed, this, like, multi-year dream I'd been working on, and I'd called all these roasters and distributors, and I, I've been working on this thing for, I even went and, like, took a part-time dishwashing job just to, like, get myself in the food biz so, so I'd be better equipped to, like, run a coffee shop. <laughs> and... Uh, at the end of this plane flight, it was like it, everything was changed, and I'm like, I'm gonna oh open up a popsicle store. <laughs> well, you were influenced that much by this conversation on yeah, this plane. Yeah, it was uh, fertile, fertile grounds. That's uh, yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. All right, so continue on. Like, where where have things gone since since the plane ride? Yeah, so um, within three months of that, I was actually open for business. I moved back to San Augustine, found a uh, a piece of property that was open, and so the funny thing is, it was the recession that kind of drove me into uh, like out of like the normal track that I would have been on probably. But the recession also opened up a lot of like real estate, opened up landlords to rent to first time renters uh, with like no credit or anything. And so the recession also like got me completely in the in the door. So I opened up my first shop in downtown St. Augustine uh, in 2010. And uh, uh, we were making all the popsicles in the back, mostly at night, and then selling them in the front of the shop during the daytime. And um, slept a lot of nights there. And uh, yeah, and so we opened in June 2010. And we were just, we had maybe like, I don't know, 10 flavors or something like that. We were freezing them really slowly. I didn't know what I was doing, but I was just like keeping like great notes and trying to make them the best that I could. And um, it, it, was a, it was a hit from day one. And so uh, I think we were operationally solvent by the, we, I think we opened like a Tuesday or Wednesday. We were operationally solvent by Friday. And so, and then, um, yeah, it just took off from there. So how long did it take you? And so was that in downtown? In downtown St. Augustine. Augustine? Yeah, the historic And is it area. the same store that it is now, or have you guys moved in? We moved it to the, it started on like, uh, uh, on 15 Hippolyta Street, and we moved it to the, to the corner. Okay. But it's, it's pretty much in the, in the same spot, yeah. All right, cool, so what, so you had 10 flavors at that point. <laughs> yeah. I mean, how, how do you go from 10 flavors to I mean, I was on your website last night, like looking, and there's, it looks like there's hundreds of flavors. Sure. Maybe, <laughs> yeah. I mean, is that correct? Like how many flavors do you guys have? I'll let, I'll let Kyle answer that. <laughs> yeah, so it's probably over 500, maybe 600. Yes, yeah, maybe 600. It's a lot. Yeah, maybe. that's a recipe book. Any given time you can find like maybe 40 or 50 in store. Easily. But uh, yeah, we, we can roll through several, several hundred in the course of a year. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so how many do you keep on hand of each kind? Um, I don't know, 80? Uh, yeah. 80 flavors? <laughs> I don't know, maybe 80. I was just wondering, is it like five of each flavor, and then once they're gone, they're gone? No, no, we usually have oh. like maybe three or four cases of each flavor, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, in the stores, it's probably yeah, three three to six cases of each, and then, in, you know, we're, at my facility, we have, you know, by the tens, sometimes over 100 cases on hand. Some, what do you, I mean, what do you mean by at your facility? Where we make everything. Okay, so, so they're we, being produced somewhere... They're not being made inside the stores. Correct. Yeah, we make everything in St. Augustine, and we hold it all there, and then we self-distribute to all of our stores throughout the state. Cool. 
Yeah, in, on, in our new freezer, I mean, we can we can hold like 100, 120,000 popsicles, mm-hmm. um, which is great, except when hurricanes come. And so... <laughs> what do you gotta do, hook it up to a generator? Or? Uh, yeah, well, we yeah we, we built a generator after um, Irma. We, we, we installed a big one, but um, Matthew and Irma were, were both pretty pretty squirrely. What, is yeah. it just from a power standpoint? Like, uh, Yeah, just power, yeah. 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 So... Gotta keep them cold. Yeah, those <laughs> things can affect business. Huh? <laughs> oh yeah. But um, yeah, so that was that was the first that was the first shop, and um, I really was focused on just doing one shop really really well, and um, I hadn't thought about like I get the question a lot. Did you imagine it was going to be this larger thing? And no, definitely not. I thought I would probably fail. Um, and, <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, yeah, you well. look at the odds. I'm trying to be realistic. Most businesses fail, like most new ones. And so I was probably going to fail. And that was one of the things that interested me so much about popsicles as opposed to coffee was like, if I'm going to fail anyway, I'd much rather fail doing something like new and pioneering and creative and fail in like a, on a path that not, no one else has been down rather than, you know, on the coffee path that's just like littered with bodies and it's this big open trail. And, you know, so uh, that was a big motiv- motivating factor for me was just like knowing that I was probably going to fail and wanting to fail doing something that was like more that was more creative. <laughs> so like I'm gonna like chances of me failing are high, but I'm, at least know, I have pride in it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's gonna be in a creative like new thing, pioneering. Well, that's cool. So I mean, walk me through the. So how long was it? How long did you have that first door before you were like, it's time to open the second? Uh, probably about six months. That was it, huh? Yeah, six that was months. it. Yeah, I mean, so it was doing that well, like. It was doing really well right out of the bat, and then um, yeah. So then I started looking at like, hey, it would be really cool to replicate this. And uh, the second store that I opened was in Flagler Beach. I don't know if you guys have been there. Really cool old, um, like it looks straight out of the 1960s. It's really rad. A little beach town south of St. Augustine, and uh, that store failed. Um, that was that was my first. So the first <laughs> like store succeeded. So I did fail. <laughs> Just thankfully not on like store one. Store two failed. Store three also failed. That was uh, we opened up a like a hippo cart um, at the St. John's Town Center, which is a big Oof. walking mall in Jacksonville. Yeah. And uh, that Kyle worked there. So Kyle, um, I should say, he's our production manager now, but he was one of my first employees, and uh, he used to sell pops when he was in college. Oh yeah. You had to work at the at the town center cart. Oh yeah. Uh, do you want to talk about that? <laughs> oh man, the town center. Uh, so it was. 100 degrees every day. Steven made me wear a funny hat. And just stood <laughs> Good job, Steven. I'm and it was hard. One of them to look classy. Like, <laughs> you just stand outside every day, sort of in the shade, but not really. And You didn't sweat, though. No, 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 not at all. <laughs> uh, and then it was hard. I mean, it was hard to move them, but it was still fun. It's a lot of driving for me though, because I still lived in St. Augustine. But. Yeah, and that and that one failed too. So we um, Flagler Beach failed because um, the, the just the demographic wasn't wasn't big enough. The town was too was too small, and when you're selling something that's so cheap, you have to get a lot of feet through the door every every day. Um, you have to make a lot of sales every day for it to work. Mm-hmm. And so when you're in these small um, these small areas, it, the community supported this really well. There's weren't enough of them for it to really make sense. You uh, like I'm making I'm gonna make an assumption. Um, so you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like you're very much like me where you're just gonna execute and like, all right, six months, like let's go, boom, 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 like and see what happens. If it fit, like, it doesn't sound like there was a, you know, you say, oh, there wasn't enough, you know, 
population there. Or there wasn't enough that like, it doesn't sound like you had done those studies no. in advance <laughs> to like determine that this wasn't the right move, uh, yeah. that instead you just executed and then was like, let's see what happens, which is 100% what I do a lot. Yeah. Like I don't study data. A, a lot, <laughs> you know what I mean. It's just the truth. Like I pull the trigger on things and just and just go. I mean, so, is, is yeah. that the way it's always been, or did you learn from that? Because I because now, how many locations do you have now? We have uh, eleven hippos now. Okay, plus a all few across other, the state. Plus a few other brands. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. A few other brands. All right, we'll get it. <laughs> we'll get, <laughs> get into that. Yeah, yeah. So remind me. A few so, other but, brands. but you were but you were right. Uh, that's always been my style. Is a little bit more just to start doing first, and then we can think about it later. Um, and that's really helpful. But I love data, but it's just, it's, the data is much better once you're doing it than you get like really pure data. Yeah. Oh, people didn't like it, it failed. That's really good data. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's the best data. <laughs> Very accurate, yeah. Why and do you so, think that yeah. cart failed in the town center? That seems like a, like a home run location to it. Yeah, and isn't it, isn't it low expense or am I, not, am I getting yeah, it Yeah, no, it was, it was low expense. Um, everything about it seemed like a home run too. Like yeah. when mm-hmm. I, brokered that deal with them I was just I took it to the bank I was like let's pop the champagne bottle we're you know this yeah. this thing's gonna be amazing yeah. um, there's a few different reasons I think at the time we were doing that that was 2011 um, the gourmet popsicle was not something that was a part of any sort of awareness sure. or brand consciousness of, yeah. of on anyone's radar yet so we're having to do a lot of education uh, we just had a, a cool little vintage cart but you couldn't really like see into it or see the product really well and okay. we were trying to not be like gaudy and flashy with it we we're just trying to be a little a little more hipster a little a little cooler and yeah I think that kind of hid the product from that education a little bit and at town center the weather is frequently inc- inclement like it's hot or it's windy or it's rainy it's and, rains, and yeah. so it's people are just yeah. ducking into into storefronts constantly yeah. and so um, I I think the combination of those factors made people just kind of think like, if I'm gonna get a treat, maybe get something that's a little less messy that I can yeah. walk into a store with. Mm-hmm. And um, so that's that's why we think it just didn't work. But it's the reason I built that was because uh, it, by 2011, I become aware there was another popsicle company that had started in Atlanta near the same time that I had called King of Pops. And uh, the guy that started that is uh, Stephen Carson. Kyle and I actually went up and visited him yeah. a few years after that. and got to hang out, but uh, his whole model is built on carts. Like he just has carts all over Atlanta. So we're like, okay, where, where it kind of looks like it, where are people out? What yeah. looks like an urban environment in Jacksonville or St. Augustine? And the town center was that environment. So we, so we went there, but it just didn't, uh, didn't catch on the same way. Yeah. And so how long did you run that before you're, you were like, all right, I'm gonna close this down? I think, I think it was a year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it was a year there and a year at Flagler Beach. So yeah, so store one was still doing well in year two. I was just driving around like a crazy person and spent all the profits um, and and then some uh, failing at these other two locations. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah. But now you're in some incredible locations. I mean, you're in yeah. Sarko, yeah. So when was the next? Um, when was the next location? You know, Hyde Park. You're in some really high traffic, high end. Yeah. Places. So we so we did learn and we yeah. learned. Okay, well, what do we need? Oh, we need more people, <laughs> and we need brick and mortar. So then I think the next. I want to say the next location was downtown Gainesville. Yes. Um, yeah. The next mm-hmm. location was downtown Gainesville, and so since I had gone to school here, I was really familiar with 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 the city. Um, connected with some with some uh, real estate guys over here, and 
Um, it's like, I really want to be in downtown. I love downtown. And I think we've got enough people here and if we can get some cool brick and mortar. So we got that little space across from Dragonfly. And um, there was, and that one was a hit. It just worked. Um, enough people knew about the product here and enough students were like, you know, game for that kind of a thing. And so um, that one really, really clicked, which is great because if that one had failed too, you know, I probably would have tried to hang it up at that point. You're like, yeah. I'm a failure. <laughs> just talk back to the original one and be like, I'm just going to stay here. Yeah. This is great. So, and, and Gainesville has two locations. Gainesville right? has two locations. Mm-hmm. We did have three, but that was another learning experience. Uh, so we had one that was open on uh, uh, First Ave um, over like right across from the stadium um, on like the Roberts Stadium Club yep. thing. Okay. And then... Uh, but yeah, but that one that one failed, and so we learned that we we had too many popsicle shops. We had oversaturated. Yeah, so that was, was kind of an area. interesting area that I would go to. That Wyatt's literally four times a week. I was probably your best customer. Well, I thank lived you. Right there, you were keeping that shop alive. I'd go do, sta- <laughs> yeah, I'd go do stadiums, and I'd come back and get a coffee in the morning. That You're was like amazing. my routine. But that stadium club's been kind of a nightmare for everybody. Yeah, um, yeah. There's dark windows. Oh it's, my gosh. it's so tough. If there had been like 600 more of you, yeah. we would have. It would have been perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Do you ever go to that location on the back of the stadium club right there yeah. on First Ave? It's just a weird building. It's a weird building, and they've got no parking, yeah. and uh, it's just uh, to, to struggle there. Yeah. yeah, I think they might have solved some of the parking stuff. They're trying to. They're trying well, to. Like I, I know, because well, um, one of my banks is there, so yeah, you yeah. Have, like you can get your thing validated and, and yeah. park in the garage. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's if just that, a lot of work. Yeah. 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 I can get that. Yeah, I was pretty devastated though when it closed, but I was really excited you guys opened Wyatt's back up. And I don't know if you want to fast forward to some of the other brands, um, just to mention them early on in the podcast. What the other brands you guys have going? Because there's multiple. Yeah. Yeah. So the other brands we have in the company. Do you want me to? Yeah. Let's go. Let's go into the new brands, and then we can come. Back. Yeah. Well, it, this is our podcast. We can do whatever <laughs> yeah, the hell we on. want. <laughs> That's what's so great about it. That's the nice thing about it. Uh, so the other brands we have are Wyatt's Coffee, uh, which is a Gainesville-only coffee brand. So I finally got the coffee shop, um, and um, it's really great, and I just love it. It's very so uh, that's yours too, eclectic. Huh? Yeah. I don't think I knew that. Yeah, cool. And um, that's awesome. Yeah, Wyatt's. Thank you. Um, I I really love it. We're gonna go there right after this and uh, get get some coffee. It's gonna be great. Oh, yeah. But um, so we have Wyatt's. We also have Cousteau's, which is a waffle and milkshake bar in Saint Augustine. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is really fun. And then um, more recently, we have uh, Mayday ice cream. And that's um, like artist. So basically, we, we took eight years of like popsicle production, um, just learning and, ex- and experience, and, have, and now have applied that to ice cream. And so we've, we've got churns, and so we're churning everything. And so it's um, kind of just kind of like innovative, um, um, like American style ice cream. And that's in St. Augustine in Jacksonville right now, but that one's growing pretty pretty fast. If you haven't been to Cousteau's in St. Augustine, it's it's pretty legendary. <laughs> legendary. It's like an in- Instagrammable, awesome place. I mean, you guys oh, just yeah. kill it on social Anything media. Anything that's Instagrammable is yeah. good for this guy. <laughs> I, actually, I actually didn't know that you guys did Cousteau's until I was looking last night, and I've actually done a collaboration with, I don't know if it's one of you guys that runs that social media for Cousteau's, but I was over there for a wedding, and we did like a quick I was just buy it, and I was like, "Hey, I'm gonna do this," and they're like, "Come over, get oh, a waffle, awesome. post it." It was oh, it was good. Really cool. We did it in about 15 minutes. That's so. amazing. Yeah. Nice. When was that recently? It was like in maybe February or March. Yeah. Okay, that would have been probably Alyssa that you were talking yeah. to. She's yeah. our social media okay. yeah. director. Cool. So She's how, awesome. How big is your team then? Um, our like core ad- admin team is um, 
I don't know. We have so we have like a roundtable with all anyone who's like a general manager or or up. We do a roundtable every week. There's probably like 20 of us there. Yeah. Now, um, the total the total well, is this company. With like everybody who works the different stores. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. So, and State. are you doing that like Skype or something or? No, we have everybody drive to San Augustine, <laughs> and and if you live far away, then you come every other week. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, eventually we're gonna have to do something else. But for right now, it's just really great to get people in the same room together. Yeah, face to face. There's a lot of camaraderie and some teamsmanship that goes on. Because a lot of people, a lot of these managers are like, you know, running their own little sovereign nation most of the time. And so they're kind of on, on their own. And so we wanna pull everyone together. Yeah, so talk yeah. to me about that. Like, what's it, I mean, what are the challenges in managing, you know, leading other managers who are leading these shops all over the state? Uh, mul- multiple and varied. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a. I would say one of the biggest challenges is company culture. Trying to, um, trying to convince people that are that are far away, um, that they're part of a team, part of a broader mission. That's, um, that's the biggest challenge. Which is why we spend so much money and resources trying to pull everybody together every every couple of weeks, so that we can try to drive company culture and try to just get everybody on this on on the same page but that's definitely the toughest thing um, how, how many people yeah. are needed to man like each of the stores um usually around like six six to eight six 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 to eight employees yeah okay and those general managers i would assume are responsible for hiring at those particular locations yeah yeah they do all the all, all the hiring training firing if needed and does that need does any of it need to go through you for like final approval or like what's what's the guidance for you to the general manager in order to ensure that the hiring is helping build that culture? Yeah, so uh, we're really fortunate because uh, recently we hired a retail operations director, um, Kelly, and mm-hmm. she's she's amazing. And so she actually um, is checking in on those managers um, every, every day, checking in on their needs, giving them the tools they need and uh, reviewing their hiring. And um, she'll travel to the locations and like help them with training and do standards checkups and things like that. So, um, and yeah. these are corporate owned stores. Yeah, they're all they're all corporate owned. Yeah. Cool. So yeah, it's, but it's um it's really fun and uh and and I do think that we do have a good company culture and there is cohesion even though we're we're spread out and we're planning our holiday party now and last year's was really fun because people are coming from all over the state um, and converging and meeting each other for the first time in a big room and that was really fun. So we're looking forward to that again this year. Um, I want to ask. I don't know why I probably should have thought about it when we were talking about the location. <laughs> so this is kind of sporadic, but you have two locations in Gainesville, but I noticed like in some of the bigger cities, you only have like one. Yeah. Is there is there a reason or it just it just hasn't grown to where you're going to put Is there one in Jacksonville? There's one in, there's one in Jacksonville. Okay, there's mm-hmm. one in Jacksonville. There, there was two and we converted one of them into a Mayday. Okay. A Mayday ice cream shop, okay. which is which is doing really well. And um, yeah, so a, a big part of that is that we just found that um, the hippo, because it's like a niche product and it's like a, it's a it's a gourmet popsicle and um, it just really needs a very specific type of real estate to really resonate with people. And so it's a lot easier for us to find the like one perfect site in a city than like multiple perfect sites within a city. So even here in Gainesville, like our um, the Archer Road location is neat because there's like a, tons of parking. It's easy to access, easy for families to get in and out of. Um, but the downtown location in general is like a lot better because it's in a walking district and you can grab one and go walk around. It's pretty, it's nice. And um, we do a lot better in those sorts of areas. And a lot of towns or cities really only have like one of those. Gainesville only has one. 
Gotcha. Um, and so, um, so yeah, so for us, we'd much rather go to a new city and find that one perfect place where it's just kind of like make sense for everybody um, than try to find areas where we could achieve higher saturation um, with within each city. So that's it's very astute though. That is that is what we're doing. Yeah. Right. <laughs> cool. Ty, what else you got? <laughs> so I want to cycle back to the pot production. So we've got 600 flavors. A few of my favorites. I love the pistachio rose Ooh. and the anything daddle. I'm always trying. So that's excellent. What a like seasonally, what's like the most popular, and then what are some flavors you guys kind of keep playing around with, maybe into the holidays or whatever, um, that you haven't maybe perfected yet, or what do you guys think is your best pop too? Just go through the pops with us. I'm gonna let you lead on this. <laughs> what do I think is the best pop? Well, first, first timer, they like everything. What's they the like pop? everything? Yeah. Well, there's one I hold very near and dear to my heart, and it is blackberry goat cheese. Um, that's one that you don't see even with the other gourmet popsicle companies, and is one that I got to execute. It was like the first one I got to do on my own, and it is very popular and seasonal, uh, which that one I would recommend. Or like, like you said, I love daddles. I yeah. put, can put daddles on anything. Daddle sauce, daddle popsicles, whatever. And for it people is. that don't know, this is like a spicy pepper spicy. that people yeah. in San Augustine are really fanatical about. Oh yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. You can get daddle peanuts on the side of the road on the way to the beach. It's They're true. All over the place. Yeah, people. Everyone grows them in their yard. Oh yeah. Kyle's, Kyle's got a bunch in his oh, yard. Yeah. <laughs> so do you guys create local flavors based on that kind of thing? Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah. if if there's. I think that's cool that you consider, hey, like St. August, this is super popular in St. Augustine. Like, let's turn this into a popsicle. <laughs> right. So, so like, if you do that in the other communities, like, I think that would resonate super well. It's true. True. Yeah. So, like, Daddle Strawberry, I mean, any anytime we have an event that's like with county workers and stuff like that, you have to bring Daddle Strawberry because you'll sell out of them first. Like, it is. <laughs> It's amazing, and 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 we and we do try to do that. Not to cut you off, but we 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 do try to collab um, with other mm-hmm. people. Not not every city has like a food that they're like crazy about, um, like the Daddle. Some cities do, yeah. Um, but we do because we we've done several collabs um, here in Gainesville, right? If you want to speak about that, <coughs> with like Swamp. Oh yeah, we've worked with Swamphead using some of their beers and right. uh, putting those into popsicles. First Mag, first Magnitude. Yeah, yeah, we did. Uh, yeah, we've gotten to work with them. They're really cool people. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think. We did like a pineapple hefeweizen with theirs. We made that Gator Pop. Oh yeah, the orange orange cream with blueberries in it, and sold them at the game. Which is tough, and I, I feel like I need to like was... um, to do my duty and out Kyle as an FSU fan hey. uh, right right now. I will say we <laughs> still <laughs> we still make the pineapple cranberry two tone popsicle. Yeah, so so we, so we do we do sell popsicles to FSU, and so people are listening to this. Don't like you know don't <laughs> don't, come, don't, don't confine us in our sleep or anything. Uh, we do sell to them. It's very friendly though. Uh, I don't think it affects the games. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully. Uh, so yeah, like there's there's a lot of things that we are trying to work with new. Like we get especially in the summers is huge for us. We get a lot of access to very. Uh, like exotic tropical fruits because in southern Florida we can grow them uh, pretty commercially like things like jackfruit and dragon fruit and Canistel Canistel um, I'm still trying to get my hands on the black sapote the chocolate mm-hmm, fruit mm-hmm. that's what they call it it tastes like chocolate pudding 
Um, we've used durian and gosh, what's the Guanabana? Yeah, Talk about some of the recent ones we've we've done. The triple tiers, all the purple ones, all the purple ones. Yeah. So we've <laughs> so there's the ube, which is a purple yam. And it's super popular in the Filipino culture. And Jacksonville has the highest concentration of Filipino um, people, I think, in the country. And so we did a ube macadamia coconut popsicle. And we sent six cases up to them. And they blew through them, like, really quickly yeah, and had an entire population yeah, more. It's really, it's really coming out and, like, supporting delicate. that. And that's really neat to be a part of that. So that's kind of, like, their daddle pepper and then, almost. And then the other purple ones. And then the purple rice horchata. Yeah. Yeah. So with Congaree and Penn Farms in Jacksonville. There's a rice farm in Jacksonville. Cool. Um, so we got to go up there and uh, made horchata, but they have a variety of rice that is purple. And so it's this like lavender colored horchata. And we took it up to them. And over the weekend, they had their pumpkin patch. So we did pumpkin pie for them. And they just blew right through all those too. So it's really neat to. And um, the other one. Which <laughs> other one? The, the scorpion. Oh, man. Yeah. Steven comes back from Texas with scorpion peppers. And uh, so we do a blackberry peach scorpion. And I mean, it was blazing, but it, it was, was amazing. amazing. Also, also purple. Yeah. Yeah. I forget. Gosh. Yeah, I need to try I'm just that. Going to, that was so many awesome ones. I'm just going to apologize to the YouTube captioner on this episode. As we're like spitting out the names of all this stuff, I'm like thinking about how this YouTube captioner is going to caption this episode. Yeah, really so, so good luck. Uh, Wish you, wish you the best. How does the process work when you guys are discovering a new flavor? You want to produce a new flavor. Like what? How many pops do you guys have to make? Are you the head pop chef, or is there like a board of people that are like, yeah, this is good? Um, how do you guys? There's well, there's uh, there's international regulations. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it's just Kyle. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So, How many times do you have to fail at making it before you find success? There are some that are tougher than others, but a lot of times we really want to stay true to what the fruit is. Um, so like things like guanabana that most people haven't had, and they have a very like unique flavor. Uh, it's similar to a banana, but also a little bit creamy and pineapple-y. So with that one, we just started with, okay, let's... A, figure out how to process these because they have very like spiny skin and they're full of seeds. And so they're similar to jackfruits, if you've seen those. Yeah. Um, but again, they just like take a long time. They're very tedious. And then, but their flavor is so dense. We just wanted to make a guanabana first. Like, let's try to figure out how to do this. And then from there, there we can base. Is about that? Or am I just thinking? Well, go but Guanabana. You're thinking of Guanabana. It's the, uh, <laughs> isn't it the banana fun right, song? Right, okay. uh, Guanabana. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, thank you. I just want to make sure. Every time you kept saying that, the song kept coming to my head. I just wanted to make sure. We were... You would be amazed how many times people do that in the kitchen in one hour. But we, uh, but yeah, but we, uh, we have, uh, most of these recipes are like boar-sided pretty, pretty well. So 
Um, what we'll frequently do when, when we come up with a new flavor is we'll just find the recipe in our book that's closest to it. Right. It's okay, what do we need to do to adapt this? And so usually we're only like one or two iterations on a new flavor before it's ready for the public just because we've done so many of them now. And right. the recipes follow like a certain philosophy. Yeah. So yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So it's not nearly as bad as in the in the early days. Uh, yeah. And it's yeah. really funny. We, if you want to talk about early days, um, the popsicles that I made in those first days, I thought were wonderful. We would definitely they would we would not serve them now. Those would go right <laughs> in the garbage now. Really? Uh, well, yeah. They just don't meet our our texture requirements and uh, things like that. That we've just gotten a lot better at over the years. Uh, but I remember. Uh, I was I was running out of popsicles when we when we first opened. I couldn't make them fast enough. I I didn't have a flash freezing machine yet, so I was just like loading up all the molds and setting them in the freezer overnight and just praying that they would like freeze faster. And I remember like on my seventh or eighth day open, like I I had no pop I had no pops. I was completely out, and so it was like it was opening time, and I'm looking at my watch and I'm like testing the pops, and they're still too soft. And, <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, and it was like so I, I had to put up a sign. I was like, oh, we're gonna open at two today, you yeah. know, so I can like let these things freeze and. Some of them came out, and I, I was really concerned about like being authentic and using like the whole fruit. You know, I wanted to like take a mentality of like we're going to use the whole buffalo on on like on like everything here, every single part. And so the first time I made key lime, I was like, you know what would be great? I mean, everyone's always just squeezing the juice out of these things. I bet we could just like put the whole thing in. And that would be a lot better because lime because lime skins are good, and I'm sure the pulp's good because I love pulpy orange juice, and obviously the juice is good. And so when those things came out, it was like when you tasted it at first, it was like wow, that's, uh, that lime is incredible. And then like it would just the bitterness and harshness would just crash down on you, and almost like people would almost fall over. And but I I had to sell them. I had to sell them because I didn't have any more pops that day. Oh my god! And so I was like, how can I? So I was like, how can I rebrand this? I was like something edible, and I was like, so I that that I, I renamed it the Key Lime Experience. <laughs> a bunch of people came in, and I was like, no, just so you know, it's an experience. You're gonna experience the whole lime, you know, here. That's because we're authentic. You know? That's marketing. That's that awesome. awesome. yeah. I love it. Do you think oh. the uh, the scarcity of the pops in the early days probably added to the kind of the allure, the marketing? It helped you out. You had to get there early, maybe to get the one you wanted. Um, yeah, I, I think the scarcity helped. And there was a couple of pops that I just hated making. Like, my dad came up with a recipe <laughs> uh, for a peanut butter pie pop. And I was like, I was like, Dad, that's really cool. You, you can come in and make it. So he, so he would come in. <laughs> you can make would, it for yourself, Dad. Yeah, and he, would, and he would make it, and they would, like, sell out instantly. And he was like, this is what the people want. And I was just constantly battling with him. The peanut butter um, pie is awesome. By the way. <laughs> <laughs> you dip it in the, you get the chocolate dip, it's like beyond good yeah. but in the early days i was like dad this is not what we're doing we're like yeah. fresh fruit this is going to be like healthy this is going to be and he was like i think people really want peanut butter pie and so he's not they wrong. would sell out so quickly and then but they were like a really a real pain to like clean my molds out because they you know they had dairy in them and so i i did like it took a lot more work and effort to make them and so but people love them so i started saying all right i'm gonna make peanut butter pie on tuesdays only so we had yeah. for a long time we had peanut butter oh, yeah. pie tuesdays and that was the only day you could get. And people would literally just like Why show not? up and buy like a Lines. dozen of them. Yeah, there'd be yeah. a line of people waiting. Be a line at the door. And they would just get cleaned out. And what a good business person would have done would have said, hey, I'm making something that people really want. I should make more of that thing. And what I said was, this is very frustrating that my dad is so right about this. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to keep making these other popsicles over here um, that I want to make. Um, 
And so uh, anyway, we're we're changing our philosophy a, a, a little bit on that now, and we're mm-hmm. we're trying to be more accommodating. For years, we've kind of just struck in our own direction. We said we're going to make whatever the season dictates. We're going to make whatever we want to. The flavors are going to change all the time. We make no promises. <laughs> You know, if if your flavor isn't there, you know, tough. There's 50 other ones. You just pick one you like. Yeah. And yeah, um, yeah try to ex- ex- expand your horizons, man. You know. Yeah. And uh, now we're kind of tacking back from that because we realized that um, in a lot of ways that was like just not. It was kind of doing a disservice to a lot of our um, a lot of our biggest fans. And so um, Kyle and I recently met, and we're kind mm-hmm. of trying to standardize a core kind of 24 flavors that are kind of always there. So we can make a little bit more of a commitment to the to the customer on that, and you know, obviously the other twenty four flavors or so we'll have in the store will be constantly rotating and yeah. changing, so we can keep making fun new things like ube and scorpion oh, yeah. pepper and stuff like that. But uh, anyway, that's <clears throat> you know we're eight and a half years in, so you know it's about time we <laughs> try yeah. to yep. achieve some level of peanut butter pie made that list and yeah. peanut butter pies it, it's in the it's in the, it's in the every day now. Rose is in the it's in the on there. Cool. Rose, yeah, that mm-hmm. one's. Um, so a lot of our ideas just came from other people, right? Like I yeah. didn't come up with all of these. That one came from uh, there was a uh, a guy who was like an ex marine or something that was came into the store a bunch, and he was like, "Hey, when I was in Afghanistan, we used to always get this like Persian ice cream that was rose and pistachio. I loved it. Can you make that?" So we were like, "Yeah, we try. let's try it." And yeah. so we made it, and yeah, it was it was a big hit. And so that's um so that's the reason that we have that one, the ube one. Our uh, accountant um, mm-hmm. is is from the Philippines, and so and um, and a good and a good friend of mine as well. And so we were like, uh, they were like, you have to do ube. We're like, all right, let's try to let's try to find these purple yeah. yams, you yeah. know. So it's a lot of fun. When you were when you were getting to the point of like, you know, popsicles are melting, and you're realizing, <laughs> or you're not <laughs> melting, but like not frozen yet, and you're have to delay the store opening and that kind of thing, um, and you realize that you're going to need these. More equipment. What would you say? Like a flash flash freezer, freezer yeah. Flash freezer, oh, yeah. like this type of thing. I mean, <laughs> you know, my my question is like, did you bootstrap this thing all all the way up, or was there a time when you, like you hit that? You're like, man, this is gonna be big. I need to go find some out, you know, outside funding. Um. Yes. <laughs> there was, to which there part? Was, <laughs> <laughs> to both. Exactly. Both. Um, so we have pr- primarily been bootstrapped. Okay. Um, so so I've in always, the very first store, like where did where did you get the money for that? Um, so when I worked in uh, on the at the hotel in Big Sky, Montana, on minimum wage, that covered my room and board. Okay. And so I've so just committed to like I'm like not spending a dime of this. So I so I came back from that with about seven grand in my bank account. And I talked my parents into giving me another fourteen. Okay. And so we could on like a napkin in the kitchen we drafted okay you're gonna get this percentage of the company i'm gonna get this percentage and they legitimately thought i was gonna fail too in like the kindest way we all we all did parents parents always oh there goes my 21 grand yeah there goes my fourteen thousand dollars but their opinion was they're like well this is a lot cheaper than, than grad school and uh you're gonna learn a ton and um you know not that they didn't believe in me they were super supportive <clears throat> yeah of course you know they give they they give, they give me the seed money but um you know, but we all kind of expected it's likely to fail, but that's but that's okay. And then, so we were we were all we were all surprised. So that's what it took was that 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 was the, the initial money was to the, get it off the ground. Yeah, that was, and I spent every last penny of it, and I think I had written a check that would probably would have overdrawn me like on the day that I opened. Um, but yeah, so we actually, but we actually made it the whole thing, including you know first and last and security deposit on the rents and like all of that equipment, everything. For 21k, it was very. I mean, I had friends. I've, I've called in every favor, you know, 
friends came in to like paint and help. My family was in there helping me like cut pineapples and squeeze limes and uh, <laughs> like I mean we it was it was a community effort. Wake up, Ronald. That's your alarm. To wake up and get out of bed and come to the podcast. <laughs> Sorry, that happens a lot. It happens at least once an episode. <laughs> That's consistency. Yes, consistency is important. So when you got to that point with uh, you know, it's growing a lot. Yeah, you realize yeah. it's growing a lot. I mean, these are corporate-owned stores, so you weren't you know selling franchises. So right. I mean, you know. Where did the money come from for that? Was that from just from profits coming out of the first store? You're like, I'm gonna take these profits and just invest and invest and invest? Yeah, so it was a combination. Um, most, most of those stores came all out of profits. Um, I um, was living, uh, my, my parents live in St. Augustine. I lived at home with them for the, you know, the first seven, seven years of the company, yeah. six to seven years. And I paid myself you know, poverty level pay. I mean, I didn't pay myself anything in the first six months. Um, and uh, I think the next two years I paid myself, I think 10 grand a year, and then just you know slowly cranked it up from there uh, to something more livable. Uh, I'm married now, so I have to pay myself like a little bit more now, uh, so we can, so we can yeah, eat. Yeah, they always want um, money. <laughs> <laughs> My wife, she's, um, can you write us a check? <laughs> like, do we, I'm like, how bad do we need it? Do we like really need it that like that? Because <laughs> yeah. I just, I do the same thing. I don't pay myself anything and just keep pouring the money right back into the companies. Yeah, and when you're in growth phase, like it feels good to do that. You're plowing the fields under, you're trying to like, you know, ex- expand your crop. So, um, so that was great. And then um, a couple years ago, we brought on a couple of just private investors, fans of the company, um, just a couple of uh, private families that um, invested some and, um, right now we're in we're in talks with um, a few banks and a, and a few kind of like v, VC brokers um, about trying to bring on some more cash to keep growing the company. Um, not as much from like a, like we need it as much as like a, you know if we can get more cash on hand then that allows us to grow the company like the way we want to. Um, which uh, we just added health benefits yeah. um, for the first time um, to our full time staff and that's that's a really big deal and yeah. And, it's a big um, deal. <clears throat> and so we. Congrats. I know how expensive that is because we've looked at it for new scooters for us. And it's, you know, in fact, we had Celebrate Primary Care. That's yeah. something that we're exploring, yeah. you know, locally for, yeah, for our team and stuff. Up. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, like when you're able to get to that point where you're able to offer benefits, I, I know mm-hmm. it helps with, you know, keeping, keeping team members for a long yeah. time. Exactly. You're kind of a unique situation, right? I mean, you were the first, yeah. <laughs> first employee. I mean, <clears throat> now, like, I mean, that's gotta feel good. I mean, to see this company come oh, yeah. come to fruition and to be like, I mean, to say that you were there from day one, <laughs> you know, from the very, very early days. Mm-hmm. I mean, isn't that cool? It's super cool. I love it. I take a lot of pride in that. Um, I, like the moment I met Steven just going to the stores, I was like, this place is awesome. <laughs> and then, um, <laughs> I finally got a chance to like not work outside anymore, and then I worked at the town center, <laughs> and then he made me work there. Uh, so it's like, oh great, I'm back outside. It's really hot. Um, but yeah, just being able to see all that, had plans to move after Flagler, um, but then after talking to Steven and offering me a full-time job, and my wife was certified to teach in this state and not where we were gonna move, it just made a lot of sense for us yeah. to stay. And since then, it's been really neat to be a part of learning how to make popsicles, how to move frozen items, what, how freezers work, and just how 
we've, I've done build outs with Steven and all these things. It's been cool to see us grow in different areas. And then, um, being a part of it now is, is also really great. Helps my family a lot too. And how to manage people. I mean, yeah. you're, I, mean I think you're understating that, but Kyle's, Kyle's got a team that fluctuates between like six and six and eight. Um, and, um, you know, they're, you know, they're responsible for making literally millions of popsicles every, every year at this point. So <laughs> have all, you always had that ability managing people? Uh, me or Kyle? Well, either of you. Uh, no, I, mean, I think it's no. super tough, right? <laughs> yeah. No, it's the so, hardest I mean, thing for sure. It is. Yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm a lot better at it now. Uh, I was, um, in the early days, I was like really conflict averse. And I was just like, for some, I had this weird idea that I was gonna, anyone that worked for me, I was just so terrified of being like a Michael Scott figure. And like, you know, so I just wanted to be like, but I, but ironically I kind of was because I was trying, I tried to be every, like friends with everybody. And then um, as a result, like the first two Christmases, every, all of my employees were like off on like nice Christmas breaks. And like, I was the only one at the store working and I was like, Wait a second. Like, you know, this should at least be like a we're all pitching in kind a, of a thing. A team so thing. by the by the third Christmas I was like, hey, everyone's gotta, you know, it's gotta work. And then it was fine. So yeah, so no, it's definitely a developed skill for me. Um <clears throat> we recently had like some personality testing done mm-hmm. uh with some of our uh some of our upper level people and uh um basically it's like a graph of like, okay, this is who you are or this is like how you're wired and this is like the job that you're trying to do. And uh, my, my graphs are really different um, because the job that I'm trying to do now is a What's CEO, the name of the test, do you remember? Uh, culture Index. Okay. And uh, the, the job that I'm trying to do now is just like, you know, I have to be organized. I've got to be, you know, uh, I've got to have tough conversations all the, all the time. There's, you know, there's, there's conflict, things like that. But um, and that's not what I, I would prefer to just create and just like, like have, you know, just have fun, of, of course. So yeah, it's definitely a learned skill I'm, and I've got a lot of learning to do. Uh, and that's mm. the problem with the growing company. Like I'll, I'll get pretty, I'll get okay at like my current job, but then we're growing. So then I have to get better at the next thing. What have you learned from those culture indexes? Um, one of the, the biggest takeaway that I got from it um, was just the idea of like motiv- of motivation of what people's motivation, and that's um, found its way into the inter- my interview process in like a really big way. Because basically, like, w- you know, I don't put people in boxes. Like, if obviously my, my graphs don't don't match, I'm doing a job that's outside of kind of maybe how I'm wired a little a little bit. So uh, what we look at is not like who's, who somebody is in, innately, but like what, what motivates them to, to override some of, some of their weaknesses or some of the parts of their personality that may not be a perfect fit for a job. And so that's, that was my biggest takeaway. So um, mo- motivation's huge, and if, you, mm-hmm. if you're not really well motivated um, to do a job, no matter what it is, um, you're probably not gonna last very, very long. Do you guys have anything to where, you know, say I'm interested in working for Hippo, maybe I go into one of the, like, Jacksonville store and start off as a part-time employee just selling, <clears throat> selling the popsicles, right? Like, what, what things do you guys do to create kind of a, I guess, that growth chart so people can kind of see a future with Hippo? Like, is there is there anything that's in place in terms of, you know, building somebody up from from the start through the different levels in the organization? We don't have anything in place, no. We don't, I mean, that's something that we want to do. It's like a structure that we want to provide, but it's not something that we've been able to do yet. Um, I ask because it's stuff that that we're doing <laughs> that that I'm cool. that, that I'm interested in doing, you know. Because I mean, we get we get part time 
um, you know, team members who come in to work, you know, while they're in school at the University of Florida, they come in and help us assemble scooters or maybe they're a part-time tech and that kind of thing. And I'm, I'm just interested in figuring out ways to like really, you know, get their, get their buy-in, yes, while they're in school, but like, hey, like, right. you could stay here after school <laughs> yeah. and you could like grow within our organization. So, so that's why I ask. I no, I think um, I think I think it's really great. I mean, like the most that we that we do is um, as as new stores get created, as new job positionings come up, or new job positions come up, the very first thing we do before we put out anything on in, Indeed or anything is um, to talk to the managers and see if they if they have anybody that they think is worth an interview. Or, and so we'll and I did this recently to like Kyle's team. We had a couple of other positions open. So multiple times. Um, yeah, I actually poached a lot of Kyle's. Kyle's team has, has been great. He's doing some of the greatest. So I've, I've pushed all kinds of people from his teams to other higher higher positions. But that's that's one thing that we'll do. So it's not it's not really like a program or a way that we sit down and like guide people towards that. But whenever we do have a job, we'll approach people and say, I think you should apply for this. And it's not automatic, but. Um, we just want to make sure that we're giving full opportunity to the people that we already have that we're already developing. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So now here you are, you have all these stores, you know, things are great. What's, I mean, what's the future look like? The future. <laughs> we don't have time to think about the future. We're, we're there's so going, much going on right now. We don't need roads. Um, <laughs> uh, so the future for us, I mean, like if, if, if we're able to accomplish bringing on some strategic partners for a raise, we definitely want to keep growing the footprint of the company. Mm -hmm. And so um, for the hippo with popsicles, that probably means staying below like the latitude of like Tennessee and probably heading like west in terms of expansion, like expanding out. Right now, everything we do is inside the state. Right. Um, but at a certain point, we'll be expanding hippo out, outside of the state. Um, and then the other brands like Wyatt's, uh, Wyatt's is still in its um, still in its like proving ground. We want to be careful about you know about iterating a company before we can really um, are confident that we can that we can execute. It's, it's been around longer than six months, right? It has been around <laughs> six months. It's been six months. It's a pretty, no, it's a pretty good start. One. It's true, but it is a lot more complex than like just like running a pop shop. Yeah. And so um, so yeah, and we're just trying to focus. So I I think you know Wyatt's is a brand that we'd like to see to see grow. Um, and uh, and and I think having Gain having Gainesville as its home base is is really dynamic because you know it's a college town. There's a lot going on here, and there's a lot of people that are coming through here that end up going out to other cities in Florida. So it's a it's a great place to to home base a brand. And um, May the Mayday ice cream brand is definitely growing. And mm -hmm. um, but we we primarily see our um, our growth pattern of being just more brick and mortar stores, um, and it's definitely like the more expensive way to go, but um, when you do that, you can build community, you build culture, mm -hmm. you employ more people, mm -hmm. and um, you just have like a much broader reach, and it just gives our company a lot more uh, vertical depth to be able to, to do more things and delight people more with the, mm -hmm. the types of fruits and the types of, I don't know, just the types of products we're able to provide. And so, and you just get that connection. So, I mean, um, there's a lot of companies that are in like the consumer packaged goods space that have a lot more, um, explosive growth potential because you know like if you're making like an rx bar or something you know you just call up your co-packer and say hey we need 10 million more because yeah. walmart just came on or public just came on or something <clears throat> um that's not that's something that we're like open to and we but we're like very cautious there we we know we're good at brick and mortar and we know we're good at serving people directly face to face and so that's that's where we're focused okay but you guys do do some 
distribution, right? Because I feel like I've seen, yeah. like I, actually I think mm -hmm. in my Hunter's Crosser, Crossing gas station, I think there's a hippo. There is a Hunter's there Crossing, is. yeah. Okay. That so guy's like, cool. Yeah, so yeah. I mean. How, we deliver to them. How big of that, how, how much of the business is being distributed to like fuel stations or is that like the only one and right right now our our revenue from a revenue standpoint and i'll let kyle speak more specifically to the individual to how many people we have but from a revenue standpoint wholesales may be only like seven or eight percent okay of like our of our total mm -hmm. rev so um company-wide it's like fairly small but i'll let, I'll let kyle speak more of yeah so uh, we've noticed that we do really well in like boutique shops uh places like natural life and um, Jacksonville and there's a couple of smaller boutiques that we're, we've done well in and as far as like gas stations and things like that things like that we've done like dailies in Jacksonville we've we've done some work with them and that Hunter's Crossing store but it is it we ship everything ourselves we don't have like major distribution in that so we'll either drop ship from our facility or deliver it on our box truck the same way that we deliver to our stores uh, but yeah, like Steven said, it is like a lower percentage of our gross sales. Is this something that you guys see growing or just? Yeah, I think I, it'll, I think yeah. it'll definitely grow. Okay. Yeah. Yes. I think, it'll, I think it'll definitely grow. I, I think that's it's not the currently primary growing. Focus. The primary focus yeah. is definitely the brick and mortar retail. Yeah, and part of the problem is, is that um, popsicles, unlike, let's say like an RX bar, it's not something that so we um, we we really pursued big big grocery for a while mm -hmm. a few years ago and did the big trade shows and everything and it, we had a lot of fun and spent a lot of money <laughs> and it got nowhere um, and a big part of that is that <clears throat> you're competing for like the most valuable real estate in mm. uh, in a grocery store and in the distribution warehouses so mm -hmm. frozen takes up a very very small percentage of the total of the total store and so you know, if you're like an RX bar or like a Justin's peanut butter, you can send a store like Publix, a bunch of like these, you know, cartoned shippers and they can just set one on the end of any aisle and, right. you know, people can go shop it or they can set it up by the counter. And with popsicles, they just, they have to be in that freezer and that space is like, you know. As, Gold to them. Yeah, yeah I think I've described it before. It's a, it's a club that already has way too many guys in it. And yeah. You're also trying to go in. And <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah, it's like in a grocery store, there's 13 aisles of dry goods, an entire section for produce and deli, and then there's three refrigerated aisles, and one of them is frozen. So it's yeah. Yeah. really hard to get in there. and Unless you have a ton of money and can buy, right. buy out your shelf space and things like that. So so do you see it always being uh, corporate-owned, or do you see a franchise opportunity? I see it always being corporate-owned. Okay. Um, one of my mentors early on said that if you are in franchising, then you're doing administrative work and police work um, to try to make sure that the franchise is running well. And if you own your stores, then you can be cr more creating because you're creating culture and everyone's on the same team. Because yeah, you're not making popsicles anymore, you're selling franchises instead, so it's a completely different business. Yeah, and right. uh, the manufacturing side of it's like really compelling to me. Kyle and I have had a ton of fun, you know, just working on all the manufacturing side, going to you know, these packaging expos going mm -hmm. to, we had a, our packaging machine uh, was built by Bosch and we got to go to their factory up in Wisconsin. Oh, that's and, cool. Uh, super, we get trained. Yeah, and so that part of it is really fun. And I think if it was just like an office and a business <clears> only <throat> for me, I would, uh, I would lose interest like very quickly. Cool. Anything else, Doc? Yeah, I got a couple things just yeah. to make sure I get to them. Um, one, I want to talk about the branding because the Hippo branding is pretty incredible. You know, it's very clean. 
you know, you guys do the pins, you guys have awesome mugs, you know, you talked about the visual aspect of the cart. You couldn't really see in there when you go into a hippo shop, you know, the glass is clean, all sorts of colors. I, I mean, want to just talk about shirts, that whole, uh, yeah, I like. shirts. <laughs> talk about how you, are you solely responsible for it? How have all the brands kind of developed with the, you know, the different graphic design? Because why it's the same way. It's, you know, it's, it's very easy to opt in and say, hey, I like this place. That's cool. I appreciate you saying that. Um, some of it, I'm I'm the origin of like the the basic vision of uh, each one because I'm creating the companies, but the actual aesthetic credit all has to be given to um, a graphic design company in St. Augustine called Space Camp, and they're good friends of mine, Danielle mm-hmm. and Luke Broderson, uh, who are graduates of Flagler College. Um, they're in St. Augustine, and uh, yeah. And, <laughs> Which is where Kyle went. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, he's an FSU fan. I well, it's we good. Don't have football have a football at Flagler team. <laughs> I know. You got to go back to my roots. You're have the and they don't have academics at FSU. It's a perfect pairing. Um, <laughs> I don't get it. <laughs> I'm kidding. I my mom went there. It's a very nice school. Don't don't talk bad about Brooklyn it. Brooklyn went there too. Sorry. Yeah. It's a wonderful school. Well, she's Love yeah. it. It's a wonderful, it's a wonderful <laughs> school, and we definitely appreciate our partnership with them selling popsicles to them. So. <laughs> I know I do. <laughs> Don't mean to destroy the whole business on one no. podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, oh, but anyway, space space camp does all of our brand work, and um, they're amazing. They're really accessible. They've got an incredible aesthetic, and they um, mm-hmm. they've been great to work with. So I'm headed over there tomorrow to work on more packaging. We'll just go sit in, camp out at a, at a computer for a few hours, and just you know just iterate together. And you know, I'm providing the kind of the, like the business side of like what do we want to communicate? How is it communicating? But they're they're the artists and so they're specifically Dan- Danielle oh, Brotherson. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. talented. And then on the collaboration side, you guys have done some like alcoholic beer popsicles. I know there's mm-hmm. there's a couple uh, you know, gin popsicles. All of that's extremely interesting to me. How does how does the collaboration happen? If the Woe podcast wanted to make some popsicles, yeah, how popsicle. many do we have to make? <laughs> um, Best of Gainesville wanted to. How how do how does that conversation start for companies or organizations? Yeah, so minimum quantities, uh, 100,000 units. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. We'll put order into that. Well, we got something to work towards. <laughs> Goal, you guys could hand those Goal out at Krispy Kreme. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> just takes one um, Gator game. I mean, no, it's actually like, it, um, and I'll let Kyle speak, speak more to this because this is his department, but um, the, the minimums are pretty low because we make everything by hand anyway. Mm-hmm. And so, um, it's it's not hard for us to retool into a, a different flavor, um, and uh, on top of that, the collaborations that we've done are really important to us, and it's really fun. It's fun for our team yeah. um, to get to work with that with with these different companies, especially the distilleries and the and the breweries yeah. are just a blast to work with. And um, uh, so yeah, so if, if you guys want one, we can definitely make make you a custom pop. Uh, hell yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be in touch. <laughs> Awesome. Uh, but Kyle, do you want to speak more about, about the collabs? Yeah, and how, I, I how need a Negroni yeah. popsicle. That's Ooh. what I'm thinking. About. You know who would love that? David at Manifest would love that. He's yeah, Man- Manifest is a distillery in Jacks we work mm-hmm. with that is super cool. Yeah, yeah so we've, <clears throat> a lot of them is just like as we've popped up in like our neighborhood of St. Augustine, these other businesses have popped up like Intuition Works, Swamphead, First Magnitude. Um, Manifest Distillery, St. Augustine Distillery, and then trying to work into like that sort of Tampa St. Pete market has been a little bit tougher because getting it back and yep. communicating with them is harder. But more of the local guys, it's great because they're so close. We can get to know them and work on like um, 
not just making popsicles with them, which is super fun, and I really love all of those things, um, but also we've done some purees that they've put in their beers, uh, which is really just another way for their like, hey, we don't have a kitchen, we don't have a way to store 600 pounds of peaches. Is that something that you guys would want to do? And we can just like work out like a trade for labor or something. So those are all really fun. Trade for labor, trade for beer. Well, yeah, they're trading the beer. (laughs) But that's true. I forgot about that. And we're, yeah, so we're we're doing some co-packing of of some other foods for like we're doing. um, Right. We're doing the bourbon cherries cherries for for the the St. Augustine distillery. Yeah. And Kyle's done a a bunch of fruit processing for some of the, for even for Swamp It, right? Didn't we do something for them? We did cranberries for one of theirs. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so that's, that's really fun. It's a really fun two way, two way street there. And can you guys sell the alcohol popsicles at your stores, or is that more of like a one-off at restaurants or? That's events? a wonderful question. Um, and yes, we can. So popsicles, because it's uh, it's solid and not liquid, uh, falls under confection law. And under confection mm-hmm. law, you can make something up to five percent ABV, which is convenient because we can't really go much above that anyway without the yeah. popsicle falling apart. Yeah, you like uh, because of the al- because of the alcohol. So as long as it's um, as as long as we card for some of those that are. Um, you know, that are above a half a percent. So it's anywhere yeah. between a half percent and 5% we're carding for, but we are allowed to sell those under current Florida confection law. And, you know, those things always change here and there, but for right yeah. now, yeah, those are, those are wide open. So that's well, super it's cool changed since we've been open too. Yeah. To yeah. Different. We actually, um, we were operating under much lower percentages and we, we got an audit recently and then that's the auditors were like, Hey, you guys can actually like go much higher than this. And we're like, Oh wow. Okay, cool. Sweet. And so Kyle recently made a, um, which is really fun. Going back to the hip hop we were listening to earlier, uh, we made a oh, Chris, a Cristal mango. Yeah. So how about a few bottles of actual Cristal and dump them into the popsicle See, buckets? I think Grog House should have like <laughs> six of these available at night. I mean, it's so hot in there, people are sweating. If you could have a beer or a popsicle, it's the same thing. Dude, I mean, it was. Ch- cherry bomb popsicles and whatever else is going on there. Jaeger popsicles. I don't know. It, it was pretty fun cool. going to the liquor store across the street and being like, hey, Brett, do you guys have Cristal? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, I want three bottles of it. Yeah. And he's like, whoa. So we got to fulfill <laughs> all, of our hip, all of our hip hop dreams came, came true. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. uh, and then the, the final thing I've got is you guys still have the hippo carts. And I know you use them at like the Tyler's Hope. They've had it before. Different kind of charity organizations. How do you get the How do you get the cart out to an event? Yeah, the carts. Oh, like how do you, how does someone? I mean, if, <laughs> yeah. How do you? Yeah, like, if you call or email us. I mean, we we do a ton of charity work. Okay. Um, and so uh, almost almost anyone that that asks, they can they can get the card or you know depending on the scale of the of the charity or what it is. Um, you know, oftentimes we're we're either providing the pops at like a at like cost or super cheap or giving them away. But yeah, we do a ton of charity work. And if you want the cart for like a birthday party or something, we've got an events coordinator cool. that can that can handle that. Or a wedding, we do a lot of weddings. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, but yeah, the uh, the the carts are fun. We also have uh, a couple of trucks. Oh um, yeah, Marge and and Lolita. Lolita. Lolita is one that lives in Gainesville. Um, it's a, Wonderful truck. You might see it driving around. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, Pepita. R.I.P. She's retired. Yeah, yeah. We, we retired Pepita. Well, I have to say this has been super fascinating. Yeah. Thanks, guys, for being on the show. Um, continued like best best wishes on continued success. Um, why don't you tell our audience like where they can connect with you via social and that kind of thing, and we'll wrap up. 
Yeah, thanks. It's been awesome to be here. Um, yeah, you can find us at The Hippo, and Hippo spelled with a Y, uh, where the I should, would normally be. Uh, so <laughs> at The Hippo, so we've got the article there, um, thehippo.com. Uh, you can look us up on uh, Facebook and I don't think we have a Snapchat. I don't think we have a Snapchat, but we definitely have Instagram. So yeah, that's Instagram. So I would say that's that's the best place to find us. Cool. Yeah. Yep. Well, thanks again. Any last words before we sign off? I think that's it. Just uh, beat Florida State. Yeah. Do it up, Gators. Let's go. Every time. <laughs> <laughs> well, everybody, thanks for tuning in. This is the WHOA GNV Podcast, the podcast bringing you businesses and individuals that make you go. Whoa! We will see Whoa. you later. Bye.